What's up, friends? It's Haley, aka Bird. And Randy. And you're tuning in to the Give Them the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's give them the bird. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Give Them the Bird podcast. Today, Randy and I are kicking off our first guest episode of season three with Danielle Bublitz, who you might know on Instagram or TikTok, if you're like Randy and I, as Food Freedom Diabetes. We, I already said we talk in handles to each other when we're talking about guests. <laughs> um, Danielle is a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor who specializes in working with people with diabetes and binge eating in a health at every size aligned lens. This conversation is one that Randy and I, I think I can speak for both of us, we're pretty pumped about it because we're very interested in how like, how do you intuitively eat with chronic conditions or how can intuitive eating help you manage chronic conditions and especially diabetes because food, right? Like we always <laughs> talk about like food and blood sugar and all of this. So um, we're pumped to be here. We've already loved chatting with you for the last 10 minutes and welcome Danielle to give him the bird. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, sorry that you've come to realize my actual name isn't Food Freedom Diabetes and it's Danielle, but I am so excited to talk with you today all about diabetes because it's kind of my jam. Yeah, it is your jam. And we are, we are like pumped to just take all of your knowledge and absorb it. It is, it's something we need right. to know more about. So okay. um, yeah, Let's do it. I'm curious. First and foremost, tell us a little bit about you. I mean, anything that comes up, your work that you do, what got you to where you're at, all of the things. I know, like, yeah, open, open up the floodgates. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I feel like it's been a really interesting, like, journey. So, you know, when I was 16 years old, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and that was, like, such a shock to my entire family just because... I mean, no one else had diabetes, you know, it's like, I think the only thing I really understood about diabetes is kind of the stigma around diabetes, like, oh, I must have ate too much sugar, mm -hmm. you know, very much all the myths. And I think what was also challenging at that same time is that I had been struggling with binge eating, like I was really like struggling with my relationship with food. And then I get this diagnosis and I feel like the, you know, while my care team was really helpful, getting me on insulin and all that, I was given so many diet rules and I felt like, okay, not only do I have to be healthy and achieve this like perfect blood sugar levels, I have to make sure that I, you know, eat all the right foods and I stop eating sugar. And it's like all those food rules like flooded in me and I'm like 16, I'm like it was a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it, it kind of like stemmed my interest in nutrition, but maybe more in the obsessive way mm -hmm. that we see that happening. And it wasn't until I was in my undergrad in um, Chico State, which is in Northern California, where I was assigned to read intuitive eating and health at every size. Mm -hmm. We had a whole faculty that was like, very into that and is first time I ever heard about it. 
but I just remember reading through the books and it really like like resonated for me where I was like I think I actually have a pretty bad relationship mm-hmm. with food mm-hmm. and I don't think I'm even like focusing so much on the diabetes aspect anymore as I am focusing on trying to diet and mm-hmm. trying to look a certain way so it's like it wasn't the things I was doing that I thought was like gonna achieve health was making me feel worse my wow. blood sugars were all over the place body image, all that. So, you know, I think reading those books was like really helpful to kind of like plant the seeds. And then when I started working as a dietitian, I went straight to a hospital setting, which was, you know, helpful. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, but I started seeing a lot of issues in the diabetes realm. And I think that's why, you know, as I was working more towards my relationship with food, it was like, there's got to be a better way to educate people with diabetes on how to take care of themselves that isn't cut carbs out Mm -hmm. or isn't lose weight and your blood sugars are going to be great, which, you know, sorry, it's not really going to connect that same way as it may seem like in the media or in the way diets kind of like talk about it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think I kind of got to this point because of my personal experience, as well as kind of seeing just this gap in how people in the hospital setting were not being cared for and they were leaving and they were basically just thinking they screwed up. Oh. It was their fault that they had diabetes. And the only way to manage their blood sugars was weight loss and going keto or low carb. So mm-hmm. that's why I do what I do. Mm. What a good yeah. reason. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> just, just a couple things, just a couple problems. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. so it's so common that we see that like our struggles bring us into this work. I find that a lot of times, um, yeah. but how cool that I, I've, I work. So I actually work at the university of Iowa, um, full-time yeah. with students. Yeah. And nice. I, I work with, um, some students who are in recovery and are wanting to engage mm-hmm. in, in fitness again, along with any student who's wanting to get active, um, whether they're cool. in recovery or not, but a lot of them go on to, you know, a master's program in dietetics. And mm-hmm. I just think about it so great that in your experience, that was when you had kind of like the oh shit or aha moments, because yeah. I think for so many of them, it it doesn't happen that way. Like we just get sucked deeper down into, you know, diet culture or like these really so harmful true. food rules. So mm-hmm. that's awesome that there's a whole faculty at Chico that's like health at every oh size. That's amazing. It really, yeah, yeah, I feel extremely fortunate because I've, you know, as I've talked to other people, you know, personal trainers, uh, health coaches, dietitians, and I tell them this, you know, about my undergrad, they're like, really? Like, (laughs) yeah, I got really lucky. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, there weren't some issues with some of the things that we learned, because I do think a lot of the medical nutrition therapy is very, here's the handout. Mm-hmm. give it to the person but it's it's like I think that piece of intuitive eating and actually working on your relationship with food was so eye-opening to me because I had never I had never talked to anyone about like food in that way I wow. had only been given rules so yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. yeah cool. I think rules especially in the hospital setting it's it's very protocol based and you know prescriptive in terms of the amount of carbohydrates they're recommending for people and just not individualized at all. 
Um, and even on the outpatient side, a lot of times I was, um, I am still a pharmacist, but I worked in a diabetes clinic and we would tell every patient, you know, the exact same number of carbs for every meal. And now I know that that was probably terrible advice. Um, so yeah, I think it's super interesting that you were exposed to that so early on too, um, and have been able to incorporate that in your work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it took a while for me to understand how to incorporate it. Cause you know, it is definitely going against the grain of like the typical message, even though it makes so much sense. I think now like working with people and even for myself, it's like, I see how well, um, intuitive eating and making peace with food benefits blood sugars and benefits diabetes management but it's it's hard to explain to people because i think we do hold these belief systems around what diabetes is what food does to us i mean you think about tiktok and like all the oh trends gosh. it's like <laughs> it's just a problem it's just a problem so you know seed oils and things like that like we're all just so afraid of food and it just makes it hard mm -hmm. to really like absorb um this permission that you can have mm -hmm. with food, no matter, you know, what type of illness you have or what kind mm -hmm. of like things you're going through in life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, obviously Randy is super familiar with blood sugar, A1C diabetes, mm. because, um, I always say like Dr. Randy, pharmacist Randy, yeah. Well, um, yeah. cool. <laughs> you know, and I've done, I've done some work with, uh, like as a chronic care health coach, but I'm curious if you can give us like an overview of like blood sugar, diabetes, and even, mm. um, I think one thing that I, because blood sugar regulation right now is like huge and, um, like functional yeah. nutritional yeah. spaces and biohacking yes yeah and uh <laughs> and even sometimes i catch myself i'm like do i need do do i need to do that like i don't know enough to know like mm -hmm. i don't have mm -hmm. diabetes but like do i need Should to I be that? worried yeah so i'm also curious like obviously how overview of diabetes and blood sugar regulation but like do people who don't have diabetes need to worry about regulating blood sugars? That's a doozy of a question, but I'm, I'm dying to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'll start with um, kind of just explaining like blood sugars and A1C, like yeah. hemoglobin A1C. Mm -hmm. So um, typically, you know, when people are getting their fasting blood sugar numbers checked, if somebody is starting to have maybe like higher than normal, so like maybe like over a hundred as they're fasting blood sugars, you know, maybe the doctors will order a hemoglobin A1C. Personally, I think everyone should have a hemoglobin A1C done. Just, you know, if you're going for your yearly physical, just to get an idea. And what that hemoglobin A1C measures is three months of like where your average blood sugars are running. Um, and I think it's a really helpful measure just for people to kind of See what's going on in their bodies. You know, I think blood sugars are immensely complicated. Um, there are so many things that can impact people. And, you know, um, I always tell my clients, like, even if I work with someone maybe in like the pre-diabetes range, you know, if they're on steroids, that's going to impact them. You know, mm -hmm. if they are, I think even there's some like chemotherapy treatments that can impact blood sugars, hypothyroidism. PCOS, there's mm -hmm. so many factors at play. So I think it's just very helpful to have that A1C 
measured. And typically when you have an A1C between like 5.7 and 6.5, that's considered maybe like a pre-diabetes range. And then once it goes past that, that's when you get classified in the diabetes range. Mm. And so to explain, do you want me to explain a couple different types of diabetes? Yeah. Yeah. I think if you can, if you, if you want to, I don't know, would it be helpful for folks? Do you think? I think so. Mm -hmm. I think especially with type two, um, yeah. cause I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of misunderstanding. Yes. So mm -hmm. if we're talking about type one diabetes, what's happening in the body is your pancreas is no longer producing insulin and insulin. It's like the lock and key with our blood sugars where when we eat food, when we have, you know, that breakdown of carbs or whatever that turns into glucose, which gives our bodies energy, we need it. It's not a bad thing. But when that happens, the pancreas releases insulin. And that is meant to bring the glucose into the cells for energy. Again, everyone needs this. Mm -hmm. This isn't a bad thing that's happening in the body. But when we're talking about type one, you're not producing that insulin anymore, which is why we have to take the injections or have the mm -hmm. insulin pump. Like we need to take insulin because the mm -hmm. body's not producing it. And without that, your blood sugar will sit in the bloodstream. And that's where, you know, we can see those issues where people have to go to the bathroom a lot, blurry vision, you know, all that, because your bloodstream is becoming like kind of like thick, like maple syrup with blood mm -hmm. sugar. It's really, really gross mm -hmm. visual, but I feel like kind of important for you to understand. It's like, <laughs> why does it impact your body so much? It's like, mm -hmm. because it's increasing that volume. So, um, so that is type one, a very simplified, mm -hmm. a lot more to it. But um, when we're looking at type two, there's more of an insulin resistance happening. Mm -hmm. So the pancreas is still producing some insulin, you know, when they're eating foods and all that, and that glucose is in the bloodstream, but it's not being used as efficiently. So maybe it's taking in some of those blood sugars, but not all of it. And so that's why, you know, maybe taking an oral medication can be really helpful. You know, maybe like I'm thinking like glipizide or something that's going to stimulate the pancreas metformin, which is like a very baseline mm -hmm. oral medication. Um, so I just try to, whenever I'm talking to my clients, I really try to emphasize that, you know, it's not the sugar that has caused the diabetes. It is the physiological mm -hmm. process happening in the body where, you know, it could have been impacted by many factors. And by the way, we don't have a specific cause known for diabetes. Mm -hmm. It's usually lots of different factors at play. So when I talk to people and they're like, I know I should have ate better. It's like, well, if your pancreas is not releasing the insulin efficiently, or if you're not, you know, releasing any insulin, right. it's more that process that we have to work on. Like that mm -hmm. is going to help you feel better. So that's kind of in a nutshell, mm -hmm. uh, very simplified type one and type two. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to say there's lots of other types of diabetes that Ooh. people mm -hmm. don't know about. So it's a big topic. Mm -hmm. Does that make, does that make sense? Is there anything I can explain more about that? I think that was one of the best explanations I've received that I can actually understand. Um, even though I've read about <laughs> diabetes, like I maple mean, syrup, I, right? Yeah, yeah, you had me at maple syrup. That was the key. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I, yeah, I feel like that being able to distinguish the two together. And I love what you said about like, it's not, it's not necessarily the blood sugars. That's the problem. It's like the, the, the pancreas or the, you know, whatever it is. So I, I like that emphasis because I think so often it's like, like you said, oh, it's my fault because I ate all these sugary foods. It's like, well, it's actually potentially, you know, your pancreas is full, you know, and we're going to work yeah. on that together. So yeah, I like not to blame the pancreas, but there's some stuff going on. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's a really important emphasis I do try to make because I, I, I see it a lot with like my type two clients. They, so much guilt, so mm -hmm. much shame, you know, they feel like, again, it's like, what diet do I have to do to, you know, get rid of diabetes? And it's like, uh, you know, that's another thing is there, you know, there's always talk on Instagram and TikTok about like reversing diabetes. And I hate to like burst a bubble, but um, we cannot reverse diabetes, mm. even type two. Um, there is potential to go into remission, where your blood sugars will go into, you know, like, pre-diabetes, you know, go back to this mm -hmm. like stable range, so to speak. But typically that happens for a very small percentage of people mm. and it's before they're put on a medication. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, again, like trying to explain to people more of like what's going on with their pancreas versus <laughs> all the sugar and carbs and stuff right. is going to make a lot more sense as far as like what's realistic. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is blood sugars and diabetes to jump to your question oh, about, yes. should we all be checking our blood <laughs> sugars and get continuous <laughs> glucose monitors? Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's so problematic. I've, there's like a TikToker. Oh I don't my gosh. I want to like say his name. Oh, I'm not okay. Gonna say it. There's one, there's one that I know too, and, but it's, yeah. I, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Does I'm not aware of this. What are they? <laughs> what What's being said? Okay. All right. We're suggested. One down. I mean, <laughs> I see a few other <laughs> stretch out a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> Have in. I duetted him a few times? Yes. Um. <laughs> so basically, he will grab a food like goldfish. Mind you, he has like his young daughter in the like video, which also red flag. Like, what are you doing? Um. So goldfish or soda. And he has a CGM and he drinks or eats the food. And then he shows you what happens to his blood sugars. Mm. Okay. So and he's not diabetic. He's not diabetic. He okay. is, I think he's like a fitness coach. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, which, coach. you know, you can, you can be a really great fitness coach and not cause harm. So. Right. <laughs> and, and not um, practice outside of your scope. <laughs> like. Yes. Yes. So here's the thing. So somebody that does not have diabetes, does not have prediabetes or maybe like an insulin resistance, like with polycystic ovarian syndrome, whatever, you know, if you're just someone that's doing this for a weight loss purpose or biohacking, whatever that might be. Um, the thing is, is that everybody's bodies, when you eat food, the blood sugar is going to rise. Everyone mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Mm -hmm doesn't matter like it's who supposed you are, to what, it's supposed to exactly right. it is absolutely supposed to go up because that is providing you with energy that is your body getting the energy that it needs so um when people start looking 
at what's going on right after they eat. I think in general with anyone, like when I talk about diabetes, we don't want to be checking our um, post meal till about two hours later, because Mm -hmm. that's where we see is the medication working. Did we give ourselves enough insulin? If we check Mm -hmm. midway, our bodies are just breaking down the carbohydrates and the proteins and the fats. It's like, you're not even giving yourself mentally like a shot to be calm. You're just Mm -hmm. putting yourself in a panic mode when your body is in the process of getting that energy and doing its thing. So for someone without diabetes, looking at those numbers, I I don't see how that's going to benefit you um, unless you were starting to see like, okay, I'm noticing that two hours after my meal, my blood sugar is like, 180 or 200 it's like hmm, that's that's might not be good and I'm not feeling well it's like those would be good indicators to have mm-hmm. it but for weight loss and just to kind of have this like I can't believe my blood sugars went up in the first mm-hmm. 30 minutes it's like well yeah okay. that's mm-hmm. what bodies do mm-hmm. so that's so interesting that um the one like in or person that I'm thinking of she uh oh you can, you can say it. You can totally say it. We can say it. Let's yeah, I think it's um, glucose goddess. Glucose mm-hmm. goddess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? <laughs> I didn't know if you were frozen mm-hmm. there or. <laughs> oh, I I heard her on uh, the, um, oh shoot, Diet Starts Tomorrow podcast, the Betches podcast. It's a, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah. they've changed uh, co-host and I haven't listened to it since, but it used to be with like Eileen mm-hmm. and Sammy and I don't know, I, I just mm-hmm. like them. And Eileen was yeah. really great about like having people on that had these big claims, but as like somebody who has had had a bad relationship with food and practices mm-hmm. intuitive eating and works with an intuitive eating counselor, like yeah. Yeah. I would be like, damn, Eileen, you're a bad bitch. You're kind of pushing back. Like, I love it. But anywho, so she had her <laughs> on this episode on an episode and I was so intrigued about it. Because first of all, my first thought was like, you don't have diabetes and do you know how expensive diabetes management like mm-hmm. equipment already is? Shame on you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, oh, yeah. but personal opinion. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was just <laughs> like, expensive. oh, that feels so icky. But I was, mm-hmm. I was really intrigued. And I think that, so she'll, she'll post like the graphs of her blood sugars. And I think it's actually like 30 minutes after she eats potentially. So when mm-hmm. you said that, I was like, mm-hmm oh, it's no wonder there's a spike. And so she'll compare mm-hmm. like, you know, a, a food that is higher in sugar or carbohydrates to one that's not, and then see how the mm-hmm. spike is smaller. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing that I think she said in the podcast was like, she noticed like her energy levels and her mental health and all of this stuff changed. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I feel like could it have been some other things or maybe it yeah. that did have something to do with it but like that doesn't mean that everybody has to you know function this mm-hmm. way in their life so yeah it's oh yeah that's this is very interesting for me to hear that like that yeah right afterwards it's it's supposed to spike it's okay yeah. if it spikes mm-hmm. does it matter like how high the spike is you know what i'm saying does it I really think... So I'm just thinking like maybe for like someone like her, you know, like the, cause I know I've seen those types of graphs where it's like plus 40 points or yeah. whatever. Um, I think it just kind of depends on the type of carb that she's eating. Cause there's mm-hmm. different types of carbohydrates too. Like, 
you know, and she's claiming, you know, oh, I had a very high sugary carb. Yeah. So those types of carbs are quick energy. Like Mm -hmm. I'm thinking for someone with diabetes, if you have a low blood sugar, you want to grab some juice. You don't, you don't want to grab like a whole grain piece of toast. (laughs) Like that's going to take a while. You need something now. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't know that it's necessarily the points Mm -hmm. because it's more so what's happening two hours later. Okay. Like, how is her pancreas responding, I Mm -hmm. guess, is, like, what I would want to know, you know? It's like, yeah, it could definitely go up, and I'm sure that would be, like, very concerning for someone to see, but it's, like, where is it going? Mm, That's what I want to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like utilizing what we already know about the way different carbohydrates impact our body and, like, just trying to make a claim out of it, essentially, when it's, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we already know that, like you know, simple sugars are going to spike our blood sugar more. And, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think about it from like an athletic perspective, there's people who yeah. like intra-carb work, you know, intra-workout mm-hmm. carbs or whatever. So, um, okay. I feel enlightened. You answered <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Like I have been dying to just straight up ask someone that has more knowledge, like, what are your thoughts on this? So yeah, that is helpful oh. for me to know. I, I get it's, it too. I totally get it from like somebody just scrolling on Instagram. I totally see why that would be very nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. It's really concerning because I mean, Haley, you're an educated person. You work in healthcare <laughs> with students, you know, and, and these things are, you know, confusing for you. And so somebody putting this information out there on social media for people who don't have any of the tools to interpret that information it's it's scary. It kind of reminds me of when, you know, like 23andMe first came out with their genetic reports and oh, yeah. people are, they're given just enough information to be dangerous, you know, like they mm. think that they're, they think they've been oh diagnosed with this yeah. host of diseases because, they're carriers, you know, and so seeing all this blood sugar information is kind of similar in a way where they think there's all these things that need to be fixed when really it's just that's how your body's supposed to work. Mm. Yeah. Something I want to share too, because um, I actually did have Dr. Dodell speak for my group um, nice. two months ago. And something he was even saying, you know, okay, first of all, the access to insulin, diabetes supplies, things like that, that's a huge issue. Like people with diabetes really, it sucks. Like I can say for myself, yeah. I can't just get like, um, basic level health insurance, I have to get and pay for maybe like the highest amount because I need to make sure my supplies are covered. Otherwise I Mm -hmm. get hit with like $2,000, $3,000 bills a month on top of my health. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, but he was saying like, he wish he was telling like the group, like he wishes that everyone with diabetes type one, type two, all the other forms could have CGMs because a lot of the research they're doing now is there's a function with continuous glucose monitors called time and range. And Mm -hmm. what research has shown is having a time and range blood sugar wise greater than 70% is helpful for reducing some of those like complications later Mm -hmm. on. And he thinks that from what he was saying was like, that could be a better indicator over hemoglobin a1c because again Um, it's it's giving this more of like snapshot in time 
Um, and I, for me, I found that very enlightening because it's like, yeah, I wish people with diabetes could get that access Mm -hmm. because rather than waiting six months or three months for your A1C, you can just upload your CGM and see like, oh, you know what? I was 75% time in range. And that is good. That Mm -hmm. is fine. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be perfect. I can focus on these goals. It's just much more attainable. So that blew my mm-hmm. mind. I was mm-hmm. like really like so interested listening to him talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's also frustrating because there are so many people who could benefit. Um, yeah. When I was working for the university, we, you know, there were so many people on like state health insurance that need a CGM for management yeah. of their diabetes, but don't qualify for it. Mm-hmm. And then to know that there's fitness coaches out there that just, you know, purchasing them willy nilly. <laughs> Mm -hmm. is frustrating talk about like health equity and privilege and yeah I I I totally agree um so I'm curious kind of thinking about the ick side of (laughs) like Mm -hmm. people utilizing diabetes or you know equipment all that kind of thing I'm Mm kind of curious to hear maybe how your approach differs to managing diabetes compared Mm -hmm. to like a traditional, maybe more like weight centric approach. Um, and maybe what some of obviously the the harms that can come from this like weight centric approach and and that sort of thing. Can you kind of give us a breakdown of how you Mm -hmm. are um, a queen and how you're different? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, so what I really try to focus on with each client, um, I, I first focused on their relationship with food. So usually in like our initial sessions, I'm just trying to understand what does like a day in the life look like for you? What do you do for work? It's like, I feel like there's like an inquisitive part of just kind of understanding each person individually. Like, okay, this is somebody that works 12 hour shifts Mm. and they're really tired. Would I give them a whole set of recipes that's going to take them hours when they get home? Absolutely not. No. How are they eating? So, you know, I get this big picture, what's going on, and we start working on, are there things we can add back into your life? Mm -hmm. Are there things stress management wise? Like I really try to focus on health promoting behaviors. You know, weight is not a behavior. So I try to focus on, you know, what are you doing stress management wise? Like some of my clients, you know, they go to therapy, they do yoga, stretching, they go for walks, you know, it's like, there's lots of different things. Um, movement. What kind of movement do you like? If you have like a kind of strained relationship with movement, Mm -hmm. can we talk about that? Um, As far as food, what is reasonable for you? What can Mm -hmm. we work on together? Like what are easy snacks? Like I'm like not a meal prepper at all. And I'm (laughs) so honest about that with people. I am very much convenient. So I provide, you know, my clients with just easy ways of getting in foods that are going to be satisfying and nourishing. Mm -hmm. So I try to hit all these different spots of ways that each person individually can kind of add into their lives versus Mm -hmm. take away. Um, And I also, so there's a, there's an account called plate by plate approach. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you, Oh, Mm. Okay. No. Okay. I'll explain it. <laughs> thought you were going to like hold up the book. I'm like, yeah. Ah! Oh no. <laughs> I wish. I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it. Yeah. I love, so I worked at um, a private practice for like a year and um, it was eating disorder based. And so 
we were given this book, um, you know, how to, you know, treat, you know, your child through an eating disorder and the plate by plate approach mm. came into the picture. Um, I can always send you an image of what it looks like, but basically it's visualizing food and making it more simplistic. Mm. So I know the the ADA has this image that's like ingrained in my brain where it's like half the plate, mm-hmm. veggies, protein, mm-hmm. carbs, and my that's plate. what it's <laughs> My plate, yeah. And that's yeah. what it always is for people with diabetes. And so what I try to teach people is having a more flexible approach where it's like, can be visual and it doesn't have to be half veggies. Mm -hmm. It can be a couple of servings of carbs. You can have more than one piece of toast. You can have more than, you know, one serving of rice. Like, I think we have to give ourselves more permission. So Mm -hmm. I just try to put all these pieces together for people, but you know, Obviously the relationship with food is like the number one for me. Cause mm-hmm. I really do think that's where people with diabetes struggle the most. Mm-hmm. Like the rates of eating disorders among type one and type two is intense oh. because we're given such black and white rules. So if I can just step in and try to help people with ways to add things in, I mean, it's been, it's been so cool to see people, you know, lower their A1Cs kind of find their own stability and kind of empowerment without having to go this route of, you know, low carb everything or Mm -hmm. feeling like a failure if they're not losing weight. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you discuss, you know, carbohydrates in terms of like amounts at all, or do you kind of avoid that to avoid introducing Mm -hmm. the idea of restriction or how does that just yeah, that was such a focus of so many discussions um, oh gosh, and, and yeah. still is, I'm sure. But how do you totally. navigate that? Yeah, it really is going to depend on the client because I do see people mm-hmm. that are straight out of eating disorder recovery. And mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't tend to give exact amounts. I will tell people that the minimum recommended daily allowance of carbs is 130 grams a day, which is like equivalent to seven slices of bread Mm. to try to get them Mm -hmm. out of the mindset that they need less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually for each person, I'm, I'm very much more of like visually based. Mm -hmm. So, you know, making sure you're getting enough and I'll, I'll Mm -hmm. let them know, like sometimes I'll even, I had one client that would like show me, you know, some of her food pictures, like is this enough? And it's like, my questions are for them. Like, how did you feel afterwards? Mm. Like, you know, was that Mm -hmm. satisfying? Was that filling? So I I feel like I can be a very frustrating person for somebody (laughs) that wants like exact numbers. (laughs) Like, okay. And I'm like, and that's nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I guess to answer your question, um, yes and no. And it very much depends on where the person is at. If they are somebody that's in eating disorder recovery, I would not say it at all Mm -hmm. at all. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I can, I can relate to that a lot with, with fitness even, um, when I create like a workout or like a strength program, I always give students like a range of how Mm -hmm. many reps and how many sets. And a lot of them will be like, okay, what weight do I need to start out at? And how often should I progress Mm -hmm. my weight? And it's like, there are some guidelines, but it's like, They're Mm -hmm. not for college students specific or like a fourth year PhD student who is, you know, also has two kids and whose husband is an international, you know, scholar who he's not getting paid and you're not sleeping. Like 
yeah. all of these things make a difference. And so I, I can totally relate to the, like, there are numbers, but like, it I, depends. yeah, it depends. I know. <laughs> and I get, I get so many students who, again, just from the fitness standpoint, and I'm sure I work closely with a dietitian. She, we talk about it all the time. Like sometimes students will leave, like, yeah, I don't think they're going to come back to meet with me because like, I didn't give them an exact this is exactly what you need to do. And she doesn't do that either. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I just mm -hmm. met with a student the other day who was like, you know, yeah, I, I met with a dietitian, but she didn't give me a meal plan. And I was like, <laughs> no, she didn't like, that's not really yeah. what she does. Like, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Oh, so, yeah. And I, oh, well, yeah. I think that's kind of foreign in, in healthcare, you know, to get mm -hmm. an individualized plan, plan for lack of a better word, but right. individualized care. That's not coming, you know, straight out of a book with numbers and Totally. A checklist. Totally. So. totally. And, you know, I think there's like definitely places where certain amounts can be helpful. Like mm -hmm. I'm thinking of maybe somebody that has like a chronic kidney disease states like, okay, sure. well, yeah, definitely, you know, I can help you. And I would go straight back to visuals, but, you know, just, I like that mm -hmm. the ranges, I think it's more so providing that flexibility because if you don't provide that flexibility, it just becomes another food rule for them. Yeah. It really does. Like, mm -hmm. oh shoot, I had more than this amount of carbs at breakfast. So I messed up. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, you had this amount of carbs and you're moving on to your next meal. You know, mm -hmm. like it's not going to dictate anything. It's just, this is what happened during the first part of your day. So mm -hmm. yeah, it is very foreign. I agree. And I think that's, you know, I think that's where the diabetes realm is very challenging because I do think that we get stuck in numbers, you know, we get stuck with the A1C blood sugars, you know, for somebody that's struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating patterns, diabetes is a bitch. Honestly, okay. it's just really mm -hmm. like, I've heard people that have told me like they just got out of eating disorder treatment and then they get diagnosed with diabetes and it's just like, mm -hmm. what do I do? So, right. yeah. This was a question that that Randy you had brought up, and I thought I thought it was a really cool question. Of what do you think in all of your work would you say is the most surprising or maybe misunderstood thing about having diabetes? It's such good questions. I was very excited. I was like, Ooh, that was all Randy. Randy, <laughs> Randy, Randy coming in hot with the questions. Yes. Um, yeah, I think honestly, one of the most surprising things is that diabetes really does come in all sizes. Mm. There is, you know, when we're thinking about type two, I think a lot of times people assume if you're in a larger body, you're going to have diabetes. And that's not true at mm. all. There are many people in, you know, small size bodies that get diabetes. And there are many people in, you know, mid-size, but, you know, it's like, it can go across the spectrum. So I think, again, diabetes has been lumped in with a lot of like fat phobic beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually, I'm trying to remember, I remember like watching a video from like a, a doctor and they were even talking about like how a lot of times maybe somebody in a smaller size body that's coming in with symptoms of maybe like higher blood sugars, you know, we'll talk about it and the doctors will say, oh, well, you look fine. And then they go home and then this can lead to that diabetic ketoacidosis where it's not getting treated. Mm -hmm. 
so I feel like it's such an interesting situation where, you know, again, we can't correlate body size with diabetes because again, it's not caused by one factor alone. I think a lot of the research now that's coming out, even within the past year is talking about trauma, Mm. trauma, food insecurity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those ACE scores. So for like children, yeah. Um, There's just so many things. Mm -hmm. So that was probably one of the most surprising things that I learned, you know, as I was kind of working with different people and realizing, you know, how weight centric diabetes care is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's been a while since I've um, read about this or talked with anybody about it, but I remember chatting with one of my physicians a couple years ago and we were just talking about how, um, you know, being overweight or obese doesn't cause diabetes. We know that we know they're associated, but what that association Mm -hmm. is, we don't know. And it may even be kind of a chicken or the egg situation. You know, does the diabetes cause weight gain or does the weight gain cause diabetes? We don't, we honestly don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was kind of eye opening for me to, to think about it in that way. Mm. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll share with you guys after through email. Um, Reagan Chastain has a really awesome uh, blog, Substack, mm-hmm. and um, I think she was even talking about, um, there's like a whole blog she wrote about, you know, is weight loss necessary for type 2 diabetes? Mm-hmm. And what she was talking about was referring to some of the research around weight cycling. And so a lot of times mm-hmm. that diet cycle, you know, of like trying to lose the weight, gaining the weight, it's like that puts stress on the body that's going to increase insulin resistance, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, totally agree with you, Randy. I feel like mm-hmm. it's um, very hard to pinpoint what exactly yeah. is causing diabetes, but we definitely know that sugar doesn't cause diabetes and it's not the weight that's causing the diabetes. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, I have one last question and I just came up with it. So I don't want to put you on the spot necessarily, <laughs> but... <laughs> but I'm going to, um, okay. Okay. do you have like one, um, success story or just like mm. super awesome case or, you know, patient that you've encountered that you think is a really good example of how, um, an intuitive eating approach can be helpful in diabetes? Oh, oh man. I, I love my clients so much. I feel like there's, there's so many very cool stories. Um, okay. I'm going to share which one am I going to share? Okay. I'm going to share. Actually, she was like one of my first clients I had with my business. Um, so she was somebody that came to me, you know, she'd just been diagnosed with type one diabetes a little later in life. Um, and she had been doing like the keto diet, you know, she, she originally was just trying to lose weight and then she got diagnosed with diabetes, you know, the typical like signs of like DKA, high blood sugar where she dropped weight. So she thought she was doing a great job with keto. But when her and I started working together, we focused on her relationship with food. We focused on her making sure that she was getting on the right insulin regimen. And I think the thing that was really cool was like, she was just very open to my suggestions versus, you know, that kind of like pushback frustration. So she's like, okay, I trust you. Okay. I'm going to do this. I'm really scared about weight gain with insulin, which is a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I explained to her, I'm like, listen, your body needs insulin right now. Your cells are starving. Your body needs it. 
And so we worked together for about like six months. And, you know, I watched her go from only eating low carb foods to, you know, texting, sending me messages. Like I went out and had ice cream with my husband and my son. And, you know, I did my insulin pump. I did my injections. Things worked out. I added these things in. So, you know, her and I still chat from time to time. And it's just really cool to see that she didn't just find a way that worked for her. She found flexibility. Mm -hmm. So her life isn't just perfect numbers, perfect diet. It's like, no, she enjoys all foods. She doesn't feel stressed. And her A1C went down to like, I think it was like a six, which Mm -hmm. is great. She was at like a Mm -hmm. 13 when she was diagnosed because again, no insulin. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, so she's somebody that I really enjoyed working with. And I think it was just cool to see how just adding in those health promoting behaviors, working through those food rules she had around carbs, even prior to diagnosis, it's like, made all the difference for her life to just move forward and, you know, have that permission. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm you sure literally she's just able to, yeah, like enjoy go. life experiences, you know, much better. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mental health wise, you know, and, you know, she sent me a couple messages after because, you know, I was pretty nervous. I was so nervous starting my own business. I'm like, are people really going to want to work on intuitive eating and blood sugars and listen Mm. to me, not give them exact, you know, measurements. And it's like, actually there's a lot of people in the diabetes realm that suffer with their relationship with food and are exhausted. So Mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, I was going to say you really like live up to your Instagram name, food, freedom, diabetes. Like, I feel like that Mm -hmm. is, that's exactly it. And we think, a lot of times about, you know, for folks who maybe don't have diabetes, it's like, oh, she was able to eat ice cream, like, cool. But I can imagine for somebody that has been told, you know, potentially, these are the foods that you're going to have to avoid, you're always going to have to get the halo top, or you're always, you know, all of these things. It's Mm -hmm. like, I mean, how cool is it to just be able to go out and get ice cream? You know what I mean? Like things that we we don't even think about. And that's, that really is the freedom. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. one thing that um, I actually, I think I shared it, it was on our, our first episode that dropped this week. Um, but that was one thing even Randy talked about, like, obviously, Randy, you don't have diabetes, but just like how freeing it was to be able to move away from the food obsession. Yeah. And I can totally relate to that. And then I just think about having a chronic disease on top of it or a chronic illness and being being told, or at least like in society's eyes, thinking like, I'm, that's never going to be possible for me. And then I come Mm -hmm. and I work with you and it's like, yes, it's possible. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just feel like what a relief and how, how intense that freedom must feel to know that it's possible. So it's, it's so cool that you offer that, you know, and you do that with people. Thank you so much. I mean, I really do find it like so rewarding, you know, to be able, because I think about, you know, uh, the pipeline of having issues with binging, getting diagnosed with diabetes, feeling like it was my fault, super strict food rules hmm. to then learning about intuitive eating. It's like, I feel like there was a lot of time in between that I really didn't know how to take care of myself because I just assumed that I honestly just assumed it wasn't possible. Hmm. Like I, I can't, I can't do both. I can't eat things or live the life I want to live 
and manage my diabetes perfectly. It just didn't feel like possible because it was so, again, I just wasn't informed. I didn't understand all the nuances. And so I think that's why I feel so passionate about trying to just like express and explain that to people so that they can move forward in their lives and not have that be like where they get stuck because Mm -hmm. I felt stuck there for a very long time. And I know Mm -hmm. tons of others that, you know, I've had similar struggles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, before we let you go, tell us and tell listeners most more, more importantly, where can they find you to continue learning from you? Yeah. So I'm mostly on Instagram at food freedom diabetes. I'm on TikTok occasionally when I decide to make a video that's also <laughs> food freedom diabetes. I, I think I wanted to get into the dancing thing and I don't have the same courage <laughs> as Dr. Jodell. So I just don't do it. <laughs> me neither. But you can find me on both. Yeah. You can find me on both of those platforms. Um, yeah. I and mean, you can email me food freedom diabetes at gmail.com. Everything's food freedom diabetes keep it simple makes it so easy that's yeah. why yeah. I mean after today I'll refer to you as Danielle but like that's why I was always just like Randy guess who's coming on food for oh <laughs> I knew exactly who she was talking she about did. You know, so I was really excited when you guys messaged me because I definitely have been following for a while I was like what? oh my god yeah I want to go on that's yeah. amazing Wow, yeah. my head is just like growing Are you five sweating? sizes. Wow, she's not <laughs> over there. Oh, girls. Well, thank you so much. This was um, so insightful. Amazing to connect with you. I mean, obviously, we okay. love what you do online, but getting to chat with you and just get to know you as a person um, makes us love you even more. And you know, want to continue sharing sharing what you do and the information that you provide, both for folks who are you know, managing and working through diabetes, working with diabetes, I should say, but also um, for everybody else because of all of the the myths and stigmas that, that are out there. So thank you again for, for your time. Yeah, thank you again for having me. It's so fun.